We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the latest edition of Inside the Huddle. Today we are going to kick off our fall camp preview. Uh, we are going to look at the top five storylines we have going into fall camp. I uh, will be joined by our uh, writers, TJ Inman and Nick Holmes. Uh, my name is Sammy Jacobs, and uh, we're going to get you started. Uh, Nick, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you, Sammy? I'm doing great. Uh, I had a little bit of a frustrating day yesterday uh, with work and and everything, getting everything scheduled, but uh, it's a new day. Football is one day closer, so uh, no complaints here. It's uh, sunny, not raining, not a cloud in the sky, uh, so the outlook is great. Um, we're going to welcome in TJ. TJ, how are you doing on this fine uh, Wednesday morning? I am fired up. We are in August. Things are things are getting close. It feels really, really nice to talk about uh, talk about actual training camp or fall practice or whatever you want to say opening up because uh, that means the season really has begun the games haven't begun but but uh, we can say we are officially into the 2015 season yeah uh, it, it unofficially kicked off last week in Chicago uh, IU opens up practice tomorrow uh, Nick and I I believe will be down there uh, it's at 2:15. we'll have all your coverage we'll talk to Wilson um, that's all they'll give us but anyway, uh, some storylines we have going in. Uh, my top storyline, uh, or one of them, uh, right now is who replaces Jay Sean Harris. Uh, Harris was lost in June for the year with an ACL injury. Uh, there are several guys who could step up into that slot position. Uh, Wilson mentioned guys like Mitchell Page and uh, Ricky Jones and some of those other guys uh, to step in. Uh, Nick, uh, who, who are some of these younger guys that will step up into Jay Sean's uh, place? Yeah, I mean, the first two guys you mentioned, uh, Mitchell Page looked really good during the spring, uh, had some good game or good plays in the uh, Cream and Crimson game. Ricky Jones, uh, like you mentioned, is finally healthy. Looks like he's going to be able to play a big role last year. He seemed to be a little bit out of place on the outside, so the slot seems to be more appropriate. Uh, Damon Graham, former walk-on, has some experience in the role. I really like the idea of sliding uh, Dom Booth down into the slot. I think it makes a lot of sense for a couple reasons. Um, he played the position in high school, and the team looks like they're going to have quite a few uh, bigger options for the uh, outside receivers, whether it be Patrick, uh, whether it be Westbrook or Cobbs or Hawkins, for that matter. And then the two uh, incoming guys, Mike Majette and uh, – 
Isaac James, there is uh, some possibility that they might be moved to the other side of the ball. However, if they stay on offense, they look to be good candidates to slide into that slot spot too. Yeah, there are definitely a couple candidates. TJ, what's your take on the on Jay Sean and, and who replaces uh, him in the slot? Yeah, I mean, I think losing him, uh, losing him is a blow, but I think that IU is better equipped to uh, fill in at that slot position than they would have been last year. Um, yeah, I, I do like the idea of Dominique Booth sliding in there. Um, I think that could be a, a good change of pace for him. I think that his physical size, which, you know, for people that aren't familiar with how he looks, he's a pretty well-built, uh, well-built guy. I think his physical strength could really aid him going across the middle in the slot. And one thing that I really think you have to have, the slot receiver, two things. One, it's going to be a quick ability to get off the line and make a quick cut on those inside slant patterns. And two, it's going to be reliable hands. Um, Dominique Booth did not show the reliable hands all the time last year, but you know that's something that I think in the off season we know he's all the receivers have been working on. Obviously, um, Mitchell Page is another guy. You know he's only five seven, um, but he's pretty well built. He's like two hundred pounds um, or one ninety something like that. But Mitchell Page, another candidate there. Um, I I think if I had to pick who I think is going to start at that position. Um, I think I'd probably pick Ricky Jones. Uh, like Nick said, there are bigger options on the outside, and Kevin Wilson has, has made it pretty clear that he wants to have more size on the outside at wide receiver, which I agree with. I think having having as many sub-six-foot options as they did last season really hurt Nate Sudfeld's ability uh, to get the ball outside to, to guys that ended up being smaller targets than what you'd like. So I think having guys like Marky Hawkins, Nick Westbrook, Leon Thornton, maybe Camion Patrick, we'll see about that. Um, but I think having those bigger guys outside will allow for Ricky Jones, Dominique Booth, and Mitchell Page to, to be the primary slot guys. And I'd probably rank it right now as Ricky Jones, Dominique Booth, and then Mitchell Page third. Um, but I think that all three of them will probably have options. You mentioned Mike Majette and Isaac James. I, it just seems to me like both of them will be tried out at defensive back first. Yeah, and the great thing about I was talking to Nick on my way back to uh, from Chicago was that the matchups uh, it could create using Dominic Booth at the slot. He's a bigger uh, receiver at six foot. Um, he's not Simi Cobbs at six foot four, but usually in the slot lately, IU has had that that five seven guy or five nine guy um, mm-hmm. with Shane Wynn and Jason Harris. Where maybe if you get a, a team who has a, uh, a a smaller defensive back who Don, uh, who Booth can match up against, you start Booth. It, it really, I, I don't want to say it frees up because losing Jason Harris is a big blow. But it does give you uh, some more matchup things that you wouldn't have maybe otherwise didn't think about uh, without having to move parts around. So if you wanted to go have a, have a big uh, receiver set, uh, you could slide Booth in there. If you wanted to go, if you have a, a bigger, slower safety and you wanted to go with Mitchell Page or, or somebody quicker like that, I think that's uh, you know a good option for IU. All right, we're going to move on to the to the second storyline. Uh, it's 
it's probably the biggest storyline um, is Nate Sudfeld's health, but I think his consistency uh, is a bigger storyline. Uh, he was inconsistent last year. Uh, he hasn't really put a full season together. He was splitting time with Roberson in 2013. Uh, freshman year, 2012, it was him and Cam Kaufman splitting time. Uh, last year, he missed six games with an injury, uh, but he was inconsistent. He, he uh, threw for 111 yards against Indiana State, came back with a great game against Bowling Green, uh, backed that up with another good game against Missouri where he threw for 252 yards, didn't turn the ball over. I think Missouri forced a turnover in like 45 straight games, 42 or 45 straight games, uh, and they took care of the ball there. And then he came home against Maryland and laid a stinker. Um, and then came back with another good game against North Texas uh, before going down against Iowa. So I think his putting it all together is the key for him, uh, and he is the key for the Indiana season. If he goes down or he can't, you know, I'm not asking him or fans shouldn't ask him to throw for 350 yards every day or every weekend, uh, but, you know, take care of the ball. Uh, hit 65 to 70% of your passes throw for 25 to 30 touchdowns. Um, I, I don't like to throw around the word game manager because it has such a negative connotation, uh, connotation but uh, he needs to manage the game better. Uh, be the guy who distributes the ball to your receivers. Uh, use some short and long passes. Uh, so that's my second storyline. Uh, TJ, we'll start with you. What's your uh, feeling on Nate Sudfeld this year? Well, I think you, you – Definitely illustrated the, the kind of the roller coaster that that first half of the season was, um, and I, you know, we've talked about the reasons why that could have been, and uh, you know, the wide receiver inconsistency was was a big part of it. Um, you know, maybe they just didn't have, well, well, we know that they did not have the size that they wanted at the wide receiver position outside of Simi Cobbs, um, and I, I don't. I don't think they ever really developed the connection between the quarterback and the wide receiver group the way that it has to be at this level of college football. And it, it showed when they really struggled to get any kind of rhythm. So for me, it's about two things. One, efficiency from Nate Sutfeld. Um, you know, we can put target numbers, and I think it's going to be important that he does produce very well and produces pretty prolific numbers. They don't have to be – you know, the numbers that we see from uh, kind of those top top elite quarterbacks, but they do need to be good numbers. But I think the bigger thing is going to be the efficiency. You mentioned completion percentage. That's what it's going to have to be because IU is going to have to have him completing, I would say, 65 is a, is a pretty good benchmark for him to get to. If he can get above 65% completion or somewhere very close to that, and I think IU's going to feel good about being able to keep the ball moving, keep moving the chains, keep the offense on the field, which means the defense is not on the field, uh, and that's that's going to be a good thing. Um, so I think it's efficiency from Nate Sudfeld, and then to help that out, it's going to be consistency from the wide receivers. We've talked about that all off season. It has to be better, and um, I, you know, taking that step all off season is what they've been trying to do is to get the better connection catch the ball better, run better routes, all that stuff. If the wide receivers can be more consistent, I think it'll help Nate Sudfeld out a lot. But, yeah, it, he needs to take care of the ball. He needs to be more efficient, no doubt. 
Yeah, Nick, what's your take uh, if we haven't touched on anything uh, yet on Sudfeld? Yeah, I mean, you guys have hit on a lot of the high points. I think, you know, the one biggest thing for Nate coming into this season, um, he is the guy, you know, even up until about midsummer last year, Roberson was still in the mix. So he's known for a full calendar year that I'm the guy, this is my team, I'm the leader, and, you know, he, he had uh, the speech at the Big Ten uh, luncheon last week, did a great job with that. So you can tell that he has a lot of confidence. And it's just about making the most of these next four or five months. Um, he has an NFL body. I know it's a little bit early to talk about that. But, you know, the next few months could go a long way in determining not only the trajectory of this program, but also the trajectory of his, his potential pro career. Yeah, that's it's – Spot on, and, and and you say IU will live and die um, with uh, with Nate Sudfeld. That brings me to my my next storyline. Uh, two of them are kind of I know one of them we didn't really want to talk about, but uh, one of them uh, is fan support, and it's something that if you've watched the game on on TV, an IU game on TV, you've seen uh, camera crews get a little. Uh, creative on how to cover the games in the second half as they try to avoid uh, giant splashes of uh, bleach, empty bleachers and empty sections. Uh, fan support, I think, uh, is very important. It's, it's how the football machine works. It's how they make money. It's how they pay for the athletic department. It's how you pay for the other sports. It's how you pay for facilities. It's how, you know, how you garner interest uh, in students. And if students have a great time at, at some of these games, uh, then they're more inclined to come back for homecoming as alumni. Or if they're local, they come down every other Saturday or every Saturday. So um, fan support to me is, is very uh, – is, is huge. And, and this year the home schedule is awesome. If I, if I was a fan uh, with season tickets, uh, man, it, it would be an awesome home schedule. You get Ohio State and Michigan at home after two two straight years of playing them on the road. Um, you open up, uh, you open up with three straight games. You have Southern Illinois, which you know it, it's not a great draw as an opponent, but it's a game where IU should put up a lot of points and, and look good and, and be fun. And it's a four o'clock game. Uh, which is awesome. You get the whole afternoon for tailgating. Uh, you don't have to get up at the crack of dawn uh, to make it down in time for kickoff. Uh, you might get home a little bit later, but I feel like some people uh, might be more comfortable staying up later than getting up early. Uh, you have FIU, which is a night game at 8 o'clock. That, those games are always fun. Uh, Western Kentucky is a very quality opponent coming in. Uh, that game, if, if you're a betting man, uh, take the over. Uh, and if they go under, then, you know, whatever, I, I give up. If they, if they go under, you know, if the game starts 14-13, I, I'll throw my papers up in the air and say I give up. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that'll be a fun game. Uh, you have Rutgers for homecoming, a 3:30 game. So fan support, if IU wins, if they start out 2-0 and and then beat Western Kentucky, go 3-0, and you could see a couple sold-out games here, um, and with the majority of IU fans. I know uh, Ohio State will bring, you know, a lot of fans down there, as they always do. And, and maybe it, instead of being 60 to 70%, uh, maybe even 80% Ohio State fans, if IU goes into that game uh, 4-0, maybe it's 50-50. So, you know, fan support, it, it's, it's a fickle group of fans. 
Um, and, and, you know, you can only take so many heartbreaking, gut-wrenching losses uh, before you just say, you know, it, it, it's not worth my time. But hopefully the fans do come out. The The athletic department does put on some fun stuff uh, for the students and, and build that back up. Uh, what are your guys' uh, views on that? Uh, we'll start with Nick. Well, you know, for the longest time, um, Indiana was always called a basketball state. And when the Colts started becoming relevant, they had no trouble filling up uh, the former RCA Dome and now the Lucas Oil Stadium. So I think if you – and we've said this all along. I mean, it's fairly obvious. If you put a winner on the field, the fans will come. Um, like you said, IU football fans have been burnt in the past. So, you know, try to try to mend and build those bridges back with the fans. Get to a bowl game will be the quickest way to kind of – recoup that fan base that you've lost over the years. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I, I agree with uh, agree with what you guys have said. It, it's all about winning games, and if if they can win games uh, early, then I think the the support is going to be there until they uh, until they're eliminated from bulk contention. Right, and and, and it's, it brings me on to my my fourth uh, storyline. It's something that uh, probably has been beaten to death by us. Uh, it's Kevin Wilson's job security. Um, it is year five. Uh, we all know the numbers. He's 14 and 34 and 6 and 26 in the Big Ten. Uh, he now has all his all the players on the roster have been recruited by him. Uh, there has been no bowl games. Uh, it is do or die time, uh, in my opinion. And you know he laughed off the question a little bit at uh, media day. Uh, and he joked about coordinators, uh, the coordinator contracts, and how good they are. And, and you need a sense of humor like that. It, it, it's a high-pressure job, and, and if you don't have a sense of humor, you're going to end up pulling all your hair out and, and driving your head through a wall. Um, and, and whatever, him joking about that, that's that's fine. You know, you need that sense of humor, and he, and, and it makes him look more human. Uh, but this is this no two ways around it. This is a big year for Wilson and a big year for the program. If if they get to a bowl game, you can build off of that. Recruiting will come back up. That 2013 recruiting class has kind of fallen apart here. Uh, you saw David Kenny and Antonio Allen have uh, left the program. Uh, Leray Smith, who is another three-star prospect in that class, has left. Uh, you know, Darius Latham is still there, uh, but that was the crown jewel of uh, Kevin Wilson's accomplishments right now, and it's been kind of picked apart. So, quickly, guys, uh, what are what are your takes on, on Wilson being on the hot seat? Uh, we'll start with TJ. Um, yeah, I think there's uh, well, nationally, I don't think anybody notices, um, which is saying something about the program, but. Uh, I think regionally, I think most people understand um, that Kevin Wilson's seat right now is, I don't know what the word would be, simmering, maybe. Um, definitely not boiling uh, at this point. But I'd say I would say simmering. on fire. But... Okay. All right. I, I, just, I would say I it's, in, it, that... it's almost in flames. Well, um, all right, that, that's fair. I just... I don't think that a regional perspective uh, on it would be would be 
quite so hot, but I, I am probably wrong. Um, I guess I look at it as he has really put everything in place to get to a bowl game. It's just a matter of doing it. Um, in my opinion on that, it's not going to change until after the season. For me, it's a pretty clear line in the sand. Either they get to a bowl game um, and you you feel good about things moving forward, you give them an extension of a couple of years, and you see what happens, or things fall apart a little bit, you don't make it to a bowl game. The only thing, the only kind of complication would be, let's say they you know, only win five games, have a couple of heartbreakers, look really competitive in it, are you really going to fire him because maybe the ball bounced the wrong way on a on a reverse or something like that? Maybe a, an example would be, you know, IU comes up two yards short against, uh, I don't know, against Maryland or something and ends up with, with five wins instead of six. Is that going to be the difference in him keeping a job? I don't know. I guess we'll talk about it if we get to that point. But I think the line is pretty clear as to what he needs to do to keep his job. And I, I, I hope he does because I think he has the program moving in the right direction in terms of overall talent. And that's what I look at is the talent top to bottom is so much better than what it has been in the past. That doesn't mean that they're going to get there because maybe he's not a good enough coach, maybe he's not a good enough developer of talent, or maybe the staff mix just isn't right. But I think overall the, the level of talent in the program is to the point where they can succeed and win six games. It's just a matter of going out and doing it. And all we can do at this point is wait to see if that happens. I, I don't think there's really much else to say on it uh, until we get to the end of the season or have a loss that that we weren't expecting that changes the trajectory of things. But right now I'd say we're hoping they get to six, and if they do, then we'll reevaluate things. If they don't, then we'll reevaluate things. But right now, uh, to me, it's very clear what needs to be done. Yeah, the, the writing is on the wall. The goal is there of a bowl game. Um, he needs to get to that sixth win, I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you getting to there's no reason IU has the infrastructure they need the administrative support uh but there's no reason that they can't be a team like Iowa who you know every goes to bowl game three out of every four years uh, that one year maybe you know after a transition year you, you reload get five wins and then uh you know when you have that senior team and a couple other teams are down you could push for 10 wins and a surprise berth in the uh, uh, Big Ten championship game. But, yet yeah, the writing is on the wall as far as uh, goals that need to be met. Um, I, his TJ, I, I agree with you. His seat is not on fire, like I said, but it is somewhere higher than at a, uh, at a simmer. It it's, might be a little bit uncomfortably hot right now, um, but if – certain things go the the wrong way if they end up losing to Western Kentucky, which is all possible, especially uh, with the question marks they have in the secondary, which is going to be my fifth scoring line. If Western Kentucky comes in and drops 60 points on IU, it might go downhill fast. Uh, and oh, sure, sure. They, and they, they come back with a tough game with, with Wake Forest, and really 2-0 and could then turn into 2-4 and four and, and – the wheels have fallen off the bus. Nick, what what is uh, what is your uh, opinion on all of this? Well, Sam, you know, I'm kind of the eternal optimist when it comes to stuff like this. So the team is currently undefeated, the way I see it. 
So All right. Now, you know, honestly, um, you guys both make valid points. There's there's very little way that he can go into next season without an extension. You, there's no way you can recruit with just two years left in a contract. So either, A, you let him go, or, B, you extend him for a couple more years. Now, like you both said, a bowl game at a minimum seems to be what he'll need to get to to at least get that extension. There might be a couple ways, you know, they beat Ohio State and they come up short in a couple toss-up games. You know, maybe they get close to Iowa and they barely lose that game and end the season five and seven, but they, they beat a good opponent. I think that shows a lot of a lot of character and a lot of growth. Um, obviously, the, the talent on this roster is as good as I can remember in the 20 years that I've been following IU football, at least on both sides of the ball. Um, so, I mean – it's just kind of a wait-and-see approach. West Kentucky is a good uh, gauge of where how far the teams come. Um, if they win that, I think that things are put in, in the right direction if they lose. Well, there are still some Big Ten games on the schedule that I think are at least 50-50 shots for the team to at least find six wins on the season. Yeah, I think wait-and-see is the is the right, the right way that we're going to – well, I won't say it's the right way to look at it, but I think that's the way I'm going to choose to look at it is for now, I think you assume they're making progress. If something like, yeah, having Western Kentucky put up 60 on them or going to Wake Forest and losing to the worst team in the ACC or something like that, if that happens or they fail to win a Big Ten game or something like that, yeah, obviously that, that would force the reevaluation. But, but for now, um, I'm going to just – wait and see how the games play out and then see what the administration decides to do. But I think their choice by the end of the year will be pretty clear. Yeah, well, uh, another side of this uh, is if he does, if he is successful and he does go to a bowl game, and, and that's what, you know, Hoosier fans are always rooting for, is that maybe that coordinator wasn't actually a joke and that he has interest in, in bolting IU and, and – and going somewhere else, uh, he does. You've got to remember. Look, his roster turns over next year. You lose Sudfeld. Uh, you you lose a couple other key pieces uh, on defense, and uh, maybe he says, "Look, I took IU to bowl game. Uh, you, I'm leaving you in a great spot. Uh, you know, in terms of of talent there, even though you don't have a quarterback. But maybe he goes somewhere else and, and takes another job as either a head coach or a coordinator. That's that's the other side." is that it's the percentages in my head are that in 2016 maybe IU is it's it's probably 55 45 that or maybe higher than that that they're look, either way they might be looking for a head coach after the season's over. Uh, I yeah, I don't have any any inside information or or anything like that to look that far ahead. I'm not but I would I'd be I'd be much more surprised if he took another coaching position um as opposed to to getting let go by IU I'd be I wouldn't say shocked and I I do understand what you're saying and that's definitely a possibility but I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if if he left IU after making a bowl game um but you know if yeah I mean if he really overachieved and won 8 or 9 games then I would say, hey, thanks for everything, and take whatever job you want, because this was awesome. So, I, yeah, if that's what ends up well, happening, then I will I will give him a, give him a 
theoretical hug and, and let him go on his way if he chooses. Yeah, People well, have earned it, you know, when, sure. yep. well, when hiring Wilson, my in my mind, was that Coach Wilson wouldn't end his career in Bloomington. Uh, that's just not the job IU is. Uh, I do realize it's a stepping stone job into better uh, opportunities. So, you know, I don't see him playing out his career in Bloomington. So, so maybe, you know, in, th- there are two sides. He either if they don't go to a bowl, I think he's out. And if they do go to a bowl, I could see him very, very potentially leaving uh, for, for another position. Uh, anyway, uh, we have a couple minutes left. Uh, another concern, our, our fifth and final storyline, is the secondary. Um, mm-hmm. They talked about it at media days. Uh, they're replacing four new starters, or they're replacing four starters. They have Chase Dutra back. The talent might be better, uh, but they are still very young. Uh, they have freshmen and sophomores on the two deep, uh, and it's tough to have those athletes. And and. It's, Corner is probably the hardest position to recruit. You need a guy who who has who's mentally capable of picking himself up because you're going to get beat. No matter who you are, you can be the best in the world. You're going to get beat. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to have a guy who can recover mentally and is athletic enough to stay with these uh, receivers in the Big Ten. So, uh, Nick, we'll start with you. Uh, what's your uh, quick take on the defensive secondary? Yeah, I think we've kind of. Um, hit it all summer is that they're going to have to grow up fast and by week three they're going to have to be ready to play or like your uh, hypothetical 60 points might happen I'm not saying it's likely but you know if you're getting beat deep and beaten across the middle there's a chance that 60 could be up on the uh, scoreboard at the end of that Western Kentucky game if the secondary doesn't grow up yeah uh, a couple names as we enter camp for me to for me that I'm going to be um, kind of seeing where they're at. Uh, Noel Patmore, Ben Bach, Donovan Clark, Tyler Green. I think those guys uh, really are looking at, at that second corner spot. I think Richard Fant will end up being the first corner. Um, it's not a guarantee, but I think he'll end up there. I think those four, with Noel Patmore being the current favorite for me, um, with Ben Bach, Clark, and uh, Tyler Green right behind him, to, to rotate because you're going to play a lot more than two, but um, I think those are kind of the four guys I'll be looking at in camp. And then in safety, uh, Keontae Walton, Tony Fields, Jonathan Crawford, you know, those three guys with Walton probably being the favorite, but there's there's a lot of playing time available in that secondary, so it's going to be a really important camp for that group and the, the new joint coaching responsibilities to, to figure out playing time to start the year. Yep. Anyway, guys, uh, we are out of time. Uh, We'll have all your coverage. Thanks for joining us today, Nick. Uh, Hopefully I'll see you tomorrow down at practice. Thanks for joining us. And and TJ, uh, we'll we'll keep uh, keep it on. Uh, Don't forget, we're going to move to an hour show in the season. uh, In the season, and uh, we'll have a pregame show, a live pregame show uh, at D'Angelo. So, uh, keep a lookout for that. We'll have all your coverage throughout fall camp. Uh, I use Media Day is Saturday. Uh, we'll be down in Bloomington covering that. Uh, otherwise, uh, keep your comments coming. Uh, we love the tweets. We love the comments. Uh, we love talking IU football. Uh, so thanks for your support, and we'll be back on next Wednesday.
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 